What's happening, weirdos? 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. On those new mics. Check it out. 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 Insane. And it's not indicative of this. This episode is actually pretty chill. Yeah, I was kind of low energy. Sorry. Great. That's the sound of people turning it off. I didn't think you were low energy. Oh, okay. I just thought the whole thing was just kind of like. Easy like Sunday morning. Wait, this is important. Do you think people don't like low energy? This is explaining so much about you. Oh my God. Yes, no performer, stage or screen or pod, has ever gotten off and been like, I was kind of low energy, and and the producer or the whatever was like, good. Um, I don't mean you have to be like, what's happening, motherfuckers? But like you can't, like low energy means... Even if you're going to be relaxed, you still want to be energy. Okay, You still want to have the resources to go in any direction you want. Low energy means I was underwater. Even if I wanted to get animated about something, I couldn't because I was low energy. Yeah, I I kind of hear what you're saying. But I would say like Tig Notaro. I would not say Tig or Todd Berry. These people... uh, if they have bad shows, if they're low energy. If they're, we, yes, we're talking about if you have low energy, you would say that is a, a negative thing. But as somebody listening to somebody who's lower energy, you can enjoy that. Like Absolutely. But I don't think Tig, on her lowest energy performance, felt low energy. If Tig gets sure, off stage... So I'm not talking about how you feel. I'm talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about if people can enjoy... So when you say, I was low energy, you're not reporting on your interior state. You're saying, I was just kind of... I chose to be lower energy. I, I would say I felt low energy and it came off as a low energy, but I don't think that people listening are going to think that's bad. I, even as you said it, I was like, do we take this out? Because it doesn't <laughs> sound... Oh, I'm, I'm going to drive uh, to work today. Let me throw on this low energy woman. <laughs> I don't, That's I just, what I need. I don't know. Everyone's low energy. Everyone's trying to get through their lives. <laughs> okay. And they don't throw on a podcast to hear someone else struggling to find the will to... That's not what low energy means to me. It just means like a little chiller, a little like... If you say I, but you didn't, you said, I'm sorry. You were, it was like Did in the I tone of like, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm... I was like... Oh, it's not indicative of the episode. And you're like, yeah, I'm sorry. I was a little low energy. Or if you didn't say I'm sorry, it had the flavor of like, hey, guys, you know, sometimes I'm low energy. you were projecting that. I think I was just like, yeah, I was a little low energy. I think here's how this is great. But this is how I would say it. Like, yeah, you know, this. we just decided to be like a little bit more chill this one. Okay. Because I noticed, even though this, this intro is pretty fiery, <laughs> the episode as a whole has what I would call... An atypically round and soft feel in a good way. I agree. Okay. I think in this case, my low energy led to a nice, soft round. Still, this is this just shows like how I'm a showman. I'm like a carny, a traveling carnival person. Mm -hmm. Can you say carny? I'm just saying like I'm a person who works in a carnival, Mm -hmm. and everything I do is like about trying to stay in a state where you have access to all of your flavors. Mm. And you, and I love this about you. Yep. I'd never change it. You are not someone who, who did stand-up for 20 years and learned that uh, that low energy is something you say when you're like, that was a horrible, I just couldn't find it, I was low energy. All right, well. Although as I'm saying that, I'm like, maybe there are shows where you get off and you're like, it was great, I was... 
I was uh, so we, I we've covered everything. I do angle. think some people listen and they're like not necessarily in the mood to just hear like a, agreed. Oh, super high energy, loud. And thing. that's what you've tuned in. That's into. why they listen to NPR. And you have listened to this is a more Ira Glass. Mm-hmm. You're Ira. I'm Terry. Deal with it. Oh, how dare you? I mean, Deal Ira's great, but Terry is everybody's love. I, when I did Fresh Air, it was remote. I thought she would be there. Mm. All right, everybody. All right. Anyway, um, sorry, uh, mom sorry, and dad sorry, were sorry, funding. Dad. Sorry. Oh, right. Hilarious. <laughs> Largo, March 11th and March 25th uh, is the only stand-up dates I have right now. And let me just tease, if I may please, <laughs> we're, we're swinging for the fences with big guests, and I think it's working out, and it's going to be great. So if you want to come see me do stand-up, March 11th, March 25th, tickets at Largo-LA.com. And we only have two Pete's Picks, and they're they're old standbys that I love very dearly. One of them is Living Libations. Oh, I don't have the copy of I can do it off off the dome. Mm-hmm. For many years, Val, you're a Living Libations gal. I sure am. Love the best moisturizer ever. Best That's what face- it's called. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's, it's true. It's called Best Skin Ever. Best Skin Ever. Yeah. But it is the best moisturizer. I actually, I've been much more serious about using my Best Skin Ever moisturizer mm-hmm. sometimes twice a day. And I like to point out that it, it might be a little bit more pricey, but it lasts forever. Because mm-hmm. like one or two little squirts of it will coat your face and then some. Mm-hmm. And my face is the size of John Turturro. Mm-hmm. Like John Turturro in like a cannibal, cannonball position. And it smells amazing. Here's Hannibal Lecter jumping off a high dive. Cannibal! <laughs> it smells amazing. It gets your skin feeling great and it gets your skin looking great. But the whole thing with Living Libations is that it's beauty products, health and beauty products made from ingredients that you recognize that are real and natural and incredibly effective. Like the Zen Shave Balm that I use when I shave is so clean and natural that you can rub it into your skin when you're done because it's basically just an aftershave. That's how healthy and good it is for your skin. Mm. And the exfoliant uh, that I use is the most badass. Like it's like a million times grittier than even the stuff you buy that's filled with chemicals. Mm -hmm. But these products don't have chemicals in them. They don't have toxicity levels that weren't intended for humans. And especially for me, uh, but also for baby Leela, she's three and a half, and every every day, every morning, we have to cover her head to toe in sunblock. So there's zinc-based natural sunblock. And it's so, you can see, like, you can rub it in, but you can also just kind of tell that she's wearing, like, this armor. Yeah, because it's but, for real, for real. And I'll pick her up from school eight hours later, and it's still no burns. on her. No yeah. burns. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And I know it's it's a little dodgy. It's like the sunblock industry is a little little sketch yeah. when they when they throw around words like organic or natural, and then you read it and you're like, how is this? This is every consonant, and then the number six seven five. How is that natural? Yeah. We finally found a sunblock that is that is honestly good enough to put our daughter in on her, directly on her skin. Yeah. But guys, we should all be doing this with our body, with the these things that go on your skin, on your teeth, in your hair, get into your system. So that's where Living Libations is here to help. So show your support of the show. It's a great way to do it. Uh, help us uh, let our advertisers know that these ads work. These are products we actually use. You can get something small or you can get something big. Go to livinglibations.com and use promo code WEIRDFUN. That is the code for March. Mm. Capital W, capital F, WEIRDFUN. We'll get you 15% off and show your support of the show. And second is Alpha Brain from our friends at Onnit. 
I shake the other one. Ah. Uh. Yep, I'm running out. I am subscribed. I have Alpha Brain in my car, in my jacket pockets. I have it at my office. I have it in the home. I, I love Alpha Brain. It is a nootropic. It is earth-grown ingredients that help you with memory and focus. And in my personal experience, helps you with creativity, helps you with your language center, helps me when I write, when I do stand-up, when I do a podcast, or as I always say, sometimes I'm just going to a party or we're going on a date. It makes a huge difference. So it was Val's birthday this week. I took two Alpha Brain before we went to dinner, mm. not because I was working or needed to like focus in like a work way, but because I wanted to be present, mm. because I wanted to be able to have conversations, listen, engage, make jokes, sing karaoke, because anything that requires brain power is easier and more effortless with Alpha Brain. Yeah. I, I know that sounds too good to be true, but there are more people in my everyday life that I've turned on to it, just people that I work with, my friend Max at How We Roll, uh, people that are just, they're just like, do you really take Alpha Brain? I'm like, yes. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know why everybody doesn't take it. Mm -hmm. If you're using your brain, there's no downside. There's no stimulant quality to it. It doesn't get you all jacked. Uh, it's natural. It's earth grown, and it helps your brain function. So I'm so glad that they're a sponsor. I'm a huge believer, and you too can try. Go to onit.com/weird, and you will get 10% off everything you see on that landing page and show your support of the show. I should mention, you can see it on my Instagram right now, uh, some more stuff about the show. We should be plugging How We Roll. Yeah, oh yeah. My new show on CBS, How We Roll. March 31st. Mar premieres the day after my birthday, mm -hmm. March 31st. Uh, please check it out. Yeah. I loved making it so much. Yeah. I'm proud of it. I hope people like it. How We Roll on CBS, uh, March Burped. 31st. <laughs> Please check it out. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Let's get into it. How, uh, this is episode 76. Woo. Get into it. The door is open and the pot is starting and everybody's clapping their hands. Call your dad and tell him you're gay just to see what he says. Do you guys know that all of Pete's songs, all of his improvised songs, turn out to be about either what I'm just checking your levels okay um either about calling your dad and telling him you're gay just to see what he says just see what he says or about like s taking a picture of your dick yeah, and sending it to the president not the president <laughs> show your dick to the president's aide i will say that but it's show your dick to the president's aide ask him to tell him to describe it to the president okay so you don't want to show it to the president He's that's too busy that's yeah you don't want to waste the commander but a description is time. way longer not with my ding -dong. You just go, standard. wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just go, very standard. It's very standard. On the docket, before we go to the Situation Room, sir, uh, I saw a very standard dick. <laughs> okay. I'm just telling you because he asked that I tell you that. I am, he's a citizen. He's a tax-paying citizen. <laughs> and you have to. Uh, yeah, those those vines, those are vines. Like, vine oh. lives on you know in what? my heart. Okay. I, I did just want to say quick, uh, quick, quick as a rabbit. <laughs> quick as a jackrabbit. What's just, the difference between a rabbit and a jackrabbit? I think one's jacking it. I'm just oh. kidding. <laughs> I, don't I think know the difference. jackrabbits are boys, rabbits are girls. <laughs> oh, like a Jenny rabbit. No, I made that up. But I believed you right away. When it comes to the land, 
Yeah. Like the soil and the life on the farm. <laughs> like you can when it wind, comes to the natural world. You can wind me up real easy. Why are you peeking so much? Peaky blind. Can I? Now. I'm going to turn you back? down a little bit. No, I just want to lean back then. Okay, then lean back. All right. Okay. Okay. Our, fir- our first fight. Oh, this is our first, our first our fight first ever. Fight. Uh, we don't fight, though. No, but we have. I was trying. We've, we've not We have fought. never. Who cares? Nobody cares about this. Let's talk about dicks again. I was just saying in Vine, that was a different time, man. What I'm <laughs> saying is, is I wouldn't, if Vine existed now, I would not be like, take out your dick and measure it. Just want to see what you're working with. Like, mm-hmm. that was a time when, and by the way, guys, I'm not going like, can you even say that anymore? Mm-hmm. I'm saying you can't mm-hmm. uh, because the climate has changed. Because we've found out that a lot of men were taking out their, their dicks. <laughs> and yeah, un- unrequested. Yeah. You don't want to go up to the jukebox and request a song and instead the jukebox shows you it's robo dick. Yeah. All dicks should be requested. I just read the sweetest book. It's called mm. Yes, No. It's called Yes, Exclamation Point, No, which sounds like the name of a YouTube world tour. Mm. The Yes, No. When we were on Yes, No, I remember Bono wanted shrimp in the green room. <laughs> I can't believe you're not laughing. Um, so the riff ends. That's how comedy works. <laughs> Wait, what is that? If silence, it's a computer program. If silence, abort riff. <laughs> I, I just can't like yes no. I don't get it. Is that a that Maybe was a U two album? No, I could have said uh, I, I like my choice of U two. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like a mega band has the yes no tour. Elton John oh, got on the it. yes no yes, tour. Yes yes yes. Okay, I was overthinking it. I thought yeah. it was a reference that I wasn't getting. It was you just, sure weren't. Yeah, got it. Jamiroquai, the yes no tour. <laughs> yeah okay. I'm uh, right although I, I do like it being a, a bigger group than the Miroquai. Then the Miracle. The Miracle. It's a miracle, Jamiracle tour. Oh. Okay, listen, real quick. This is pure insanity, and my brain feels like scrambled eggs. Well, it's just because you didn't get the yes no tour. So then we I got were on track. for it. Yeah, our first fight. <laughs> listen, there's a beautiful children's book, and it's called Yes No, and it's all about consent. And I read it to Leela at our little local bookstore, yeah. which sometimes I get the heat. Like, someone will come from the store and start, like, rearranging the books. And I'm, oh I'm always God. like, "Is because we sit down. We sit on a chair and I read her books. Yeah. If you care more about the Dewey Decimal System than a child's curiosity, like, you need to get out of the book business. That is hilarious. <laughs> and I also think that the people who work at a bookstore are in the book business. <laughs> I, you also think it's like a library and it's the Dewey Decimal System, which makes oh. me laugh. Oh, yeah. yeah. They don't There's do no the card catalog at... Uh, do what is our bookstore called? Skylight Books. It's a there's, fantastic bookstore. There's two of them. It's like this oh. weird bookstore where there's oh, one yeah. and then like a couple, couple doors down, there's a, another uh, bookstore. Yeah. Same bookstore, though. Um, do you know there's nothing cozier to me than the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> and oh, I think, sliding out a card catalog? But e- Shh, Those little drawers? The little drawers That look like Keebler those. elves live in them? But also because... When I was in sixth grade, I think I maybe, I don't even know if I've shared this on the pod, but I've shared it with you. <gasps> Pre-pod. But I, we moved from Bakersfield to Humboldt County. Put a pin in it. I'm checking the levels. Here it goes. <laughs> We're back. Sorry, she sounds great. Okay. Um, he just told me that he's, he sounds better and he thinks it's just because he has a richer voice. Well, our that wasn't fight. my first... <clears throat> our first fight. I said, 
I do sound better, and I just meant I think I'm closer. And then you said I can't get closer, and then I said maybe it's just because I've heard your voice. <laughs> I was trying to give you, like, give myself a compliment and give you a reason to be farther from the mic. Continue. So anyway, I moved to a new school. I was being bullied. What? And yeah, uh, I'll say their names. I don't know their their last names. I don't remember. Well, I'm pretty Ro- sure we're not going to find Michelle. It was Robin, <laughs> and it was something like Michelle. It was like, oh, her name was Michael. Okay, we might find her. <laughs> yeah. It's a girl named Michael from Humboldt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll find her. <laughs> um, I mean, they were, they're probably lovely now, but like they were just like, do that thing where we, the first day of school, they like told me to go behind, it wasn't this, but it was like, go behind the dumpsters. And then I got caught and I wasn't, and, and the teacher was like, this is not a good start, Valerie. And I was like, I, I didn't even know we weren't supposed to be back here. Like, Oh, it worked. Yeah. and Like the, they set you up and then you got in trouble. Yeah. And I, then, I have a bully-ish story for you. And then they were doing... No, I mean right now. <laughs> I'm just going to go. And then they were doing... And then they were like doing that thing where you... Like I just remember we would be talking at recess, like standing in a little circle talking. And they would just look at each other and then run off, like ditch me. Um, and then I think I have shared that it gets worse. I think I've shared this on the podcast. I'm not sure. It gets worse. I, uh, Michael spent the night at my house and then she told everybody on, and I thought we had a great time. And then she told everybody on Monday that my family is weird. And then I watched her change. Like while she was changing. Yeah. And my family is weird, but I didn't watch her change. I don't think. That's what funny. The, both of those things are true. I don't think I did. One of my stories with my friend Thomas that we still laugh about is before we were really close, we changed in a locker room and I just went up to him and I was like, I saw your wee wee. <laughs> I just told him. <laughs> I mean, I was real little. Aww. Like, this had to be my first like locker room experience. And I was like, I didn't know we all saw each other's wee wees. <laughs> are we seeing wee wees here? Like I thought we all got our own pods and I'm like, I saw your wee wee. And he thought that was really funny. That's and we still, cute. we still laugh about it. Cute. Um, but, I hate this story. Yeah. So it is the, but it gets good. And I know I, I just feel embarrassed cause I feel like I have told the story on the podcast, but it, I, I, anyway, so back to the Dewey decimal system. As soon as that happened, I was like, Okay, I'm done. Like, I'm opting out of social life here at Pine Hill Elementary. Okay, we have more info to find Michael. <laughs> Pine Hill Elementary. And I... Oh, liar. These are the search words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Child liar. <laughs> oh, I bet she's lovely now. Um, but I would just start... I just went to... Started hanging out at the library during recesses. And then the librarian, I think, knew what was going on. I'm dying. And she asked me if I wanted to be her, her librarian, the librarian's helper. And so I spent all of the recesses for the rest of the year. I'm going to die. Organizing the books from by the, and I got like really good at the Dewey Decimal System. And I would make sure, like, so I had a little cart with all the books that got returned. And I would just like put like hardcover chapter books, you know, like elementary school chapter books in the Dewey Decimal System, and I loved it. I, I'm dead. I've, I marry you again today. <laughs> that is so cute. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And it's not just because I know my answer, because I hate that feeling. I want to be completely upfront. 
I know my answer to this question, yeah. but that is not why I'm asking. I don't In fact, have that I don't even have to tell. Do. I know, but <laughs> I don't even have to share mine. I just want to know yours. That's 100% real. Mm-hmm. I already know mine. It's not even that good. I want to hear yours. And I want to hear what the Well, you'll hear it, but it's very brief and boring. Okay. What was the first book you read that you were like, oh, wait, books have awesome shit? Yes. Okay. I love <laughs> this there's, question. There's like, wait a minute. They didn't yeah. tell me books had awesome shit. Like, it's a little bit too old for you or uh, something like that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was called... Okay, the- I'm going to tell you mine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 100% JK, guys. Welcome. I want to say that it was called The Dollhouse Murders, but it wasn't. It was just called The Dollhouse. And it was like... I think you improved it. I know. But but they wouldn't have named a kid's book. A but Doll you House wouldn't Murders. have read it if it was called The Dollhouse Murders. Yeah. In fact, calling it The Doll's House... It's the perfect way to get people to answer this question because there's like going to be murders in it, yes. but they don't tell you up top. And do you remember was, the cover art? Um, I vaguely remember it, but I don't know if I'm making it up. But I know that the plot. I, I ended up doing a diorama on it, <laughs> and the plot was. Diarrhea. <laughs> Oh, my God. That is... You're interrupting me now with just anything that comes to you. No, that's diarrhea. You made a diarrhea on it. (laughs) And it was like a a thriller book. And it was something about, like, this girl gets a dollhouse and and then, like, she checks on it again and the pieces have moved. You know, like, the, the... Dolls have moved. They were at the table. Oh, so this is like Indian in the cupboard. But it's but not magic. It's like it's like scary. No, and well, Indian in the cupboard was a thriller. First of all, <laughs> I mean, I was screaming every page. I don't care if the narrator of the book was calm about it. I was like, what? <laughs> the ramifications of this? The ramifications of this? I kept screaming. Yeah, yeah. The narrator and the tone of the book was very like, oh, it's whimsy. But I was freaking out. <laughs> So you're saying it was like Indian in the cupboard, but they were like evil. They weren't evil, but it was it was like I don't know if it was this, but it was. No, we have some... to close the door because ninety nine percent of the time there's a leaf blower. I've only made this whole podcast. I've gone like three words at a time. I think that's true. How frustrating! Um, Not only for you, for everyone listening. I'm going to be better. Um, but. I I don't know. I'd have to look it up, but I I want to say it was something like the dolls were moving on their own, and then she realized that they're trying to tell her about something like a child that got kidnapped in that house before them, or something like that. So these dolls can't talk. They can't. I can't remember. I don't think they can talk. So they can't talk. They can do everything, but they don't have... I mean, it makes sense that they, they're they magically able to move, but they don't have, like, lungs, so they can't expel air. <laughs> well, it didn't go that... I think it did. The dollhouse... Murders. <laughs> um, don't Google that. Ch- the algorithm. <laughs> children's book is all I'm doing. I will say the algorithm is troubling to me. I watched, like... Somebody told me to watch, like, one video about how time is speeding up. Remember our it friend? It is called The Dollhouse Murders. I was just buying time anyway. It is called The Dollhouse Murders. By Betty Wren White. Betty Wren White. It Betty is a... White or Wright? Okay, let's see how close I am because I definitely don't. Okay. Um, it's the story of a teenager, Amy, and her sister, Luann, who had an intellectual disability. Oh, I don't remember that. In the Luann ad- did? In, I guess so. 
in the attic, I was related to Luann. I'm just kidding. Like, I was like, Luann was the one that I related to, and she had an intellect. Oh, you related to her. Yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. You didn't know, and then you were like, oh, I just thought that was, like, my person. Yeah, that's a, that yeah. was the joke. That would be lovely. Um, in the attic of her aunt's house, Amy finds a beautiful dollhouse that is an exact re- replica of the house itself. That's right. I was going to say that, but then I was like, maybe I'm not. Perf. Right. Which they did in Paddington, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Playing with the dollhouse causes the dolls to reenact the grisly murder of Amy's great-grandparents, who died in the house 30 years before. What if it says, but the dolls can't talk because they don't have lungs, so how could they (laughs) manipulate air into sound? Question mark? Amy, her mentally disabled sister Luann, like, it's like, we cannot state this enough. <laughs> yeah. Lu- something's Guys. wrong with Aunt Luann. And Luann is a little different, okay? <laughs> I feel like the headliner is the moving murder dolls, but you guys can't stop. Does anybody have a question that's not about Luann's mental challenge? And all the hands go down. I am remembering Luann now, though, that that was a part of the story. Um, and Amy's best friend, Ellen, convinced that the dollhouse is trying to tell them something, find themselves struggling to solve the murder, and lay the spirits of the dollhouse to rest. Amy has a good relationship with her Aunt Claire, who helps her and encourages her to believe in herself. I remember Aunt Claire being cool. She, like, wore overalls and had, like, long gray hair, and I and I still have that image in my mind those of like people a cool, a cool remember person. when you were so young that you don't know 350,000 people so you had room in your mind for like characters and books oh yeah like Queenie Peavy I remember <laughs> Anne Plain and Sarah Plain Sarah and, Plain and Tall I remember Sarah Plain and Tall I loved and Sarah Plain and Tall I can't picture her anymore because I had to meet like my 50th Dave I know. Get these fucking... There's a swarm of Daves out there. Well... How many Daves do we need? I know. So JK, many, everyone, so many to, Daves. To the 375 Daves listening right now, minimum. Minimum. Apologies. 100% JK. When I picture... You had a hair on your hand. When I picture Sarah Plain and Tall, I picture Glenn Close because she played her in the movie. Well, there was a book called Queenie Peavy. Just like a an Atari video game, like when mm-hmm. video games were really bad... It was like the square eats the smaller square. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. You're I, a little bit younger than I am. I mean, I didn't. It was it was like an old game, but I I like I think my brother got an Atari, and it was like this is cool. It's like vintage. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll take but that. Yeah. But the the box art was like your prompt to imagine the square looking like this awesome GI Joe kind of guy. Like the box art was really important. Oh. Meaning, like, it would be, like, an oil painting of, like, Commando, Mm. and then when you load Commando, he's just a green dot with a brown hat, Mm. and he's going, (laughs) and it sucks. Yeah. But then you'd go, you would superimpose on the game the box art, and you'd go, like, but no, it's awesome. It almost made video, video games used to be more like books. Yeah. And that's my point, is Queenie Peavy, which was a book I read, had an image of Queenie Peavy, of course. Mm. On the, you gotta have a queen. You gotta have the Queenie Peavy. Where's Peeve? Peeve? <laughs> and there she was on the cover, and then you take her into the book. Which, again, I, I've said this a million times, it's one of the reasons I like reading books based on movies after I've seen the movie. And no, I'm not embarrassed. Yeah, I am not ashamed. you have it all cast. It just makes it easier to go, Brad Pitt says to Casey Affleck... <laughs> Give me your gun. I'm a cowboy. Yeah. That's a real line from that book. Give me your gun. 
I'm a cowboy. Really? J.K. Oh. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's that's a great answer. The yeah, ha- the dollhouse murders. To end the the library. Scary though. Yeah, it's, it is scary, and I really, but that I remember it was the first book that I finished because it's a thriller. So you're just like, what you happens? To. Yeah, you but, binged a book. But I had no business reading that book because I was such a scared kid, and I'm sure I was scared while I was reading it. Um, well, horror is a whole other subject. Fuck you, Matt. Real name podcast <laughs> for showing me Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, he was yeah. a kid with the older brother who was like six years older than him. Mm-hmm. And he showed me Nightmare on Elm Street. And I know there's a huge swath of people out there that love horror movies that like get excited when they're like, and that's the first time I saw Nightmare. They call yeah. it Nightmare because they talk about it so much. <laughs> I call it Nightmare on Elm Street. And the the scene in, I, I won't even say the scene. It's not that bad. But like what, I remember watching it and being like, why am I seeing this? Yeah. I shouldn't be seeing this. Yeah. And it wasn't even that bad. It was more psychologically disturbing. Yeah. I had a friend who was very cool. Um, like her mom was a single mom. And I just, I don't know. I think her mom was really into horror films maybe. But we when we were eight, nine, she loved watching... Child's Play and Pet Cemetery. Those were like her favorite movies. Really? And I just remember being, I didn't watch them with her because I was like, I can't, I knew at that point I was like, no, I have trouble falling asleep every night because I'm already scared of Satan and the demons. Yeah, dude. So... It's so funny. Like, church does sort of, at least for me, turn you off from your need for horror. Yeah. Because it's... you're like, I, I don't need a horror movie. People are telling me, it. yeah, I could be going to a real horror. Hell like hell. Yeah. <laughs> so like hellish hell. And I've I've said this before, but like the, one of the scariest afternoons, and it's when it's one of the times I really started going like, and I think it's probably because my parents were like, "This is a trashy campground," hmm. and it's sort of I don't want to say it was trashy. It was just a little. I don't know where it is. It was a little run down, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of like, I don't know. I don't know how to say any of this. The kids were just rougher than what I was used to in hoity-toity Lexington, Massachusetts. Yes. And there was a lot of, like, smoke bombs and then would go in the de- in the, the desert, in the woods, and there was a abandoned, like, overflowing dumpster mm. in the woods. So these weren't even woods. Kids think everything is woods because yeah. they're so small. So there's, like, yeah. seven trees. You're like, it's the fucking woods. Yeah. But it probably was just, like an area near a dump and there was a dumpster there and there was a tree that kind of had a face on it and they kept calling it Satan and I was like so scared. Oh, that's so scary. And the game was go in the woods, see the tree, point at it, scream Satan and run away. And that's a totally different game if you're not going to church every Sunday Mm -hmm. and having that reinforced by grownups that are like, no, like I know a lot of the stuff we told you isn't literally true, but this is real. And now these kids are screaming, Satan, not fun. But I think that's really funny that you're like, church turns you off from horror movies because you kind of are reading or being told real life horrors. So you're like, I don't need to recreate with horrors. I remember vividly, like my parents would have home groups. And now my mom and my dad would both be like mortified if I shared this memory although i think i have with them and they feel bad 
But like, I just remember everybody went around and told, including my dad, and told ghost stories essentially, but they told stories of run ins that they had with demons. And this, I, and yep, I yep, remember that so vividly because I was probably nine, and that just like that stayed with me for years. Now, years. I've probably told you this before, but this is what I found. Okay, so I go to Utah. Mm. It's one of the first clubs I ever worked. It was in Provo, Utah. And I was fascinated with the Latter-day Saints because they like uh, Jesus, too. Mm-hmm. But this Jesus is like, he's got like kind of like a tood. I'm and just he kidding. Go, he goes to America. He surfs. <laughs> he surfs from Israel through the Mediterranean, across the Atlantic, on a surfboard, on one wave. He Somebody tosses him a dolma from Greece and he just he eats it while he's surfing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got hung up like you did on Yes, No, on what a dolma is. Yeah. But, yeah, he's snacking. This is like a <laughs> this is like a first class board ride. He's not like bored. He's he's eating dolmas. He's swinging by different countries and getting their cuisine all while staying in that barrel. Gets to America and says to the Native Americans like, "Yo, I'm G's, but I'm Mormon G's." And they're like, "Oh, G's." And he's like, "Exactly." <laughs> anyway, I get there and the guy who was a Mormon movie star I know, told me all of these horrible stories from his mission about, like, demons and stuff. Come to find out this person was, like, 100% psychotic, a pathological liar. Like, I I put it together that there were other lies. Uh And I was less mad about the other lies than I was about... Because if you're, like, in the name of God... Sort of like, I'm telling you a God story. Yeah. And then it's like, and then, like, it's not that fucked up, but he was like, I go in this guy's house. I knew, I knew, I figured out he was lying afterwards because I had all of these follow up questions. Mm. And it just really seemed like he was improvising the answers. Because mm. he was like, we were walking around and we found this house and I knocked on the door and I was like, how did you find the house? Yeah. Why did, why, why did you pick you that house? Yeah. And he goes, uh, I heard a voice, just heard a voice that was like, go in that door. I was like, that's a, like, that is a regular person would be a story. I heard a voice. Mm-hmm. He skipped that. Mm-hmm. Knocked on the door. Um, he goes in. Again, guys, this is just a baloney story. I'm yeah. very sure. Just picture a liar telling just, the story. A liar is telling you this story. I'll tell you another one of his stories. He goes in and this guy is carving in his arm Hebrew. Hebrew letters while he's going like it just sounds like he's going and like yeah. he's in the dark and he's carving Hebrew into yeah. his arm. I'm like, what is this paranoia? Uh, what's it called? Paranoia normal paranormal activity. activity yeah, sequel nine. Yeah, and and then we started and then I was like, and then what? Mm. If this story is true, no one needs to go. And then what? Especially what if the here's a formula to figure out if someone is lying. If you ask a question and then the answer is the best part of the story, they're yeah. making it up. Right. They would have told you. They would have told you because that's what, that's the fun of telling a story. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, it was something like he started crawling up the wall or something. They opened the windows and light shined on him and they started praying. And, and then I'm like, and what happened to the carving in his arm? Wasn't he bleeding? And he was like, oh, it disappeared. And you're just like, dude, if you don't include, like, that's the punchline of your story. Yeah. He also told a story about working at, like, a video store. And, dude, I can't believe, I sort of miss the sweet Pete that just believed this. And this was when I was, like, 
I think I was like 27, 26. Hmm. Uh, he told me the story. He was like, I, my boss at this video store, she was such a bitch or whatever. And I remember like she kept going in her office and I was like, she's definitely up to something in there. It's like, oh my and you're God. like that. This sucks. Like this. This is a fake story. Yeah. And then he a, goes, a person kept going in their office in the workplace, and you're like, something's fishy. You are the queen of my life. <laughs> and he craw- He said, I crawled in the air vent. Oh my God. And got above her office and looked down. And I swear to you, he was like, she had her feet up on the desk and she was masturbating. And I'll never forget, he was snapping his fingers. I can't because my, we'll get to it. My right hand is in a cast right now. But uh, <laughs> on a very special, we made it weird. But he was snapping his finger over his nipple. You can't snap. I can't, I can't snap can't with my snap left with hand. hand. That's really cute. Well, look at my, well, look at my left-handed handwriting. You're surrounded by cute. Oh my god. Sur- that's not, that's not horrible. That's it sort of looks like really cute. But you're like, I wish you guys could see it. You're like trying to do it with the wrong fingers. Oh, my snap. Yeah. Do it with your no, middle finger. But I snap with my middle finger. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Oh my gosh. That is weird. There's nothing. What's the hand of that? one non-dominant hand snapping? Can check right now, listener, if you can snap with both hands. Well, maybe they can snap with neither hand and you're being very body exclusive. No, right I think it's the cutest thing in the world if you can. I can't take it. Stop doing it. It's so cute. It's like Leela. Okay. Ugh. He was snapping his fingers as if that's how she was playing with her nips. Like she was snapping her nipples? This is every part of this story. (laughs) That he was in an air vent. Air vent, that's only in Mission Impossible. Are people and and Splinter Cell and a lot of movies are people going through air vents. Yeah, nobody goes through air vents. It never happens. They're too small. They're made out of like Double ply aluminum foil. Yeah, it's like dong. Like it makes you can't sneak. Yeah, it's the worst thing to sneak through. Uh-huh. Is an air vent. Yeah, and he said that he was a big guy, crawled through the air vent, got above her. She's snapping her nips, <laughs> which is that's the part where you really are even more than the than the air vent. The snapping. Why would you snap your nipple? This is the detail where you, I just wish I but, could relive it and go like, well, this is a fucking lie. Yeah. I hate this, and you're a liar, oh and just walked God. away. And then, and then I go. So you watched her masturbating, and she's like, "Yeah." I was, she was up there like, and I was like, "How did you get out?" This is how you can find a liar. Mm-hmm. If the answer to your follow-up question is the best part of the story, you are dealing with a liar. I don't know who needs to hear that, but <laughs> someone needs to hear that because I said, "What? How did you get out?" Mm-hmm. You're above her and she's masturbating. How did you get out of the air vent? Do you know? We want to know what he said. He crashed through the ceiling. Yes. Yeah, because that's what happens in every movie where someone's in an air vent. Valerie, <laughs> you are the queen of my heart. He fell. He said he fell through the air vent and landed on her. I mean, there's just no doubt in my mind that this is a full fabrication. For sure. Of truth. Here's, here's the other thing. There's, there's two elements to this. One relates to somebody parked on the street and they were in our driveway and I I very nicely in the morning, we let them have it overnight. We just didn't park in our driveway. And then in the morning they were still there and they were in the car. Mm -hmm. So I said, can you move the car? And it was clearly like this person was not well, like living in their car, not, not doing so hot. 
And I also think there was a language barrier. And I was just trying to say, like, this is our driveway. I, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that you didn't know that this isn't a parking spot. Can you just move it to the other side of the street? Because there, there were plenty of parking spots. So I was like, can you just move to the other side of the street? This guy, maybe drug reasons, who knows, did not want to do anything right now. Mm. And what he said was, and he kind of acted like he was going to throw up. He goes, I'm sorry, I don't feel well. Mm. I don't feel well. And I was like, I know that's a sad story, by the way. That makes yeah. me sad. But then afterwards, I thought about it. I was like, that's kind of like one of the things you learn when you're in an unfortunate situation where you have to kind of like get people off your case mm. or you're trying to do something like live in your car or park in weird parts or, or do drugs or whatever it might be. You sort of learn the first thing you can do is just say, I don't feel well. well I and feel- people will believe you. They'll back away very quickly. Like, like I, I went to college with somebody who told me the story that they got pulled over going like 90 in a 55. Mm. And what the woman said was, I'm bleeding through my pants. Mm. So the cop pulled her over and she said, I'm bleeding through my pants. Mm. And he backed away as if mm. she was going to throw up on him and just said, okay, get home, but drive slower wow and it is i was always like wow i guess if you're a woman i'm bleeding through my pants is a great way to get a a a male cop who's uncomfortable with vajays and Mm -hmm. like the business of the vajay Mm -hmm. to to leave you alone so that worked. so in the same way him sort of i i don't believe he was actually going to throw up but he was like leave me alone Mm. and here's the way i figured out to get you to leave me alone i'm gonna be like and i was like all right and i left him alone and it all worked out it was fine Uh, a few hours later he was gone um, what to tie this all up, the guy, the liar guy that I knew, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. I mean, as I'm saying that, I'm just like, is he going to hear it and be sad? I, I thought he was a great guy <laughs> with some lying tendencies that hopefully he's worked through. Uh, who cares? That's very diplomatic that of me. That is very Edit strange. it out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he would tell stories of horrible traumas that happened to him Yee. that were also similarly grandiose but you can't say this is a lie. Yeah. Like imagine me telling the story of the time I was shot, mm. you know, and, and I do have a, a bullet wound. And, and But the story is so unbelievable. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like Well, maybe that. some terrible trauma did happen to him and that's one of his defense mechanisms. It's, like I, yeah. I don't know, you know, we all develop stuff based on our trauma and I, I don't know that much about compulsive lying, but it would make sense that you would be like... A trauma, if something happens to you as a child that is so extreme and so disorienting and confusing, one of the thing, the feelings of that is like, oh, reality isn't what That's I right. thought it was. That's right. So then you can just start making your own reality. See, this is, that's not diplomacy. That's actual real compassion is you're going, mm-hmm. something maybe happened. Mm-hmm. that made the world seem upside down. And the more you could tell upside down stories and have people believe them made you feel less strange yeah. for having something real that yeah. was upside down happen to you or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Atypical. That's that's yeah, real good I stuff. Mine was just like, no, I hope everybody likes me. <laughs> but yours, yours was real. All right, here's... 
I have, uh, my hand is in a thing. I have it elevated right now. It's in a, what is it? A it's easier to say a cast, but it's it's in a soft it cast. It actually is made out of the same material that the underwear that they give you right after you have a baby is made out of. Just a hospital fishnet. Yeah, a hospital fishnet. It's not sexy, but it's fishnet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I So what I wrote down was, this. so I you guys know I have Dupuytren's contracture. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows <laughs> on my right hand, which is also known as trigger finger which is way cooler oh that is cool i have trigger finger it's just your finger slowly starts to get pulled in Mm -hmm. by your hand Mm -hmm. so it starts closing i like to point out that the guy that sings i feel it in my fingers Mm -hmm. in love actually he He actually does feel it in his fingers he actually (laughs) I need to get you like mylar balloons and a basket filled with like cheese and fruit. And like, I want an acapella group in tuxedos to be like, you are so funny. You are my queen. A barbershop quartet. Sure, but they're in tuxedos. So no no seersucker. Oh, but maybe white tuxedos? No seersucker. I'll give you white. With red bow ties. You're so funny. He does feel it in his fingers. But if you watch that movie, he has Dupuytrens on both his hands. Mm. And you can tell, and I say this with, as a As, as a, a doopy, fellow doopy. As a fellow doopy. <laughs> I'm like, this guy has my thing. And you can tell, like, he doesn't open his hands all. It gets worse as you go. So anyway, I decided to have it treated. Mm-hmm. And the way that they treat it is they put an injection in your hand. It's 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 sort of like. It's steroids, right? I, it's not it's steroids. It's not steroids. Oh, it's something else. I know what you're talking. I don't even know what it is. It's called Xyloflex, mm. and it breaks down hardened things, mm-hmm. tendons, and makes it easy for them to snap it. Sna- Gross. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that is oh. what they do. Tomorrow, I'm going to the doctor, and I already made this joke at the doctor. Whereas, like, it'll be like I'm a degenerate gambler, and he, he I owe him money, and oh, he's gonna. Yeah. So I'm gonna say before you break my finger, and just kind of gently snap it back. It's it's probably not as bad as we're imagining. Um, can you say, where's my money? Mm, I want t- place your bets. Now is my doctor going to play along and say, where's my money? I'm not really going to ask him to, it's, it's too serious. <laughs> I want him focused. Yeah. It's like having a pilot of an airplane do bits during the landing. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, that's not a good time for bits. Mm-hmm. Any who's a woozle. So I had to get shots in my hand. It was really painful. A couple things about that. Uh, breathing. Not not even Wim Hof. Five seconds in, five seconds out. Dr. David Rabin, the creator of the one of the creators of the Apollo, is a friend of mine now, and we talk. And he told me about uh, a very very simple breathing method, which is five seconds in, five seconds out. It's almost generous to call it a method. It's mm. it's just consistently deep breathing. So the great thing about going to the doctor, and by the way, I really feel like there's two realities. There's us at the hospital. And there's everything else. Mm. And when you go to the hospital, you're like, I can't believe I'm hospital now. Mm. Like, it's suddenly your hospital person. Mm. So I completely, I know there's people out there with procedures. I know there's people out there with chronic pain. I know there are people listening that have to get treatments that aren't pleasant. And that's what I, I had to get. It was like five or six painful shots in a very sensitive part of my body. Mm. So what do you do? Uh, One, I listened to Rupert, Rupert Spira, Spira, excuse me. On the way in, mm-hmm. which really got me into that, like, understand that, like, very calming sense that you are the field of knowing wherein pleasure and pain both arise, mm. but you are sort of the non-objective knowing. 
meaning the impersonal knowing, and that's your true place, and that is happy, and that is safe, and that is okay, and that can't be hurt, and that can't uh, die, it's never born. So you kind of like got myself into that zone. But on a much more practical and less um, thinky way, I did Dr. Dave's suggestion, which is like you do five in, five out. And when you get to the doctor, there's like a 15-minute wait before they see you, Mm -hmm. 20 minutes. So that's 20 minutes of this breathing technique. Mm -hmm. And I started feeling really good. By the end of it, my inhales were like seven, eight, nine seconds. Mm -hmm. And my exhales were seven, eight, nine seconds. So I was really getting in a great groove. You start feeling light. You start, I don't mean lightheaded. I mean, you start feeling sort of like warm and good. Mm -hmm. And they came came and get me and I'm like in a good way. I'm like friendly Mm -hmm. and happy. And even though I'm there to get a thing that they, all they did was warn me how painful this procedure was going to be. That's all they did, including the moment before he did it, he was like, I'm sorry. Like that was the first, that's the last thing he said before he did it. So I'm, it's easy to psych myself up. Mm-hmm. And this is a big topic of conversation on this podcast is the difference between pain and suffering. Yeah. And I, I think I got a good taste of that, which is suffering is me believing and owning and identifying with the story. This is going to be painful mm-hmm. and this is going to be horrible. And then I'm multiplying it. I'm making mm-hmm. it terrible. But just to relate, I'm not a person that can just go, don't do that. I need something yeah. on my, in, you'll love this, in my body. Yeah. As we say on this pod a lot, I needed to let my body solve something my mind can't. Mm-hmm. I can't just say, relax. Although it is helpful to go like, it'll just be a memory mm-hmm. and your brain doesn't allow you to remember pain. I don't know if we've ever talked about that. Mm-hmm. Like you can't remember pain. Pain yeah. is a self-deleting occurrence. That's why I'm willing to have a second child. <laughs> well, there's a whole section of the brain that deletes the, pi- the pain of childbirth because it's, it's to propagate the series, mm-hmm. uh, the, ser- uh, the series, the species. <laughs> the series of humans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep renewing it, baby. <laughs> but uh, if you could remember pain, you could recreate pain, I think is the problem. So you mm-hmm. only get to remember like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy of a thousand million times of pain, mm-hmm. just kind of the sense of what pain is like, mm-hmm. but you can't remember it. Otherwise you might re-experience it. So anyway, all of that is nice, but I needed to do the breathing. And by so then I'm in a second room and they like take pictures of my hand and they, I wash my hands and stuff, but I got another 15 minutes in there. So that's another 15 minutes of like seven, eight second inhales, seven, eight second exhales. Then I go to the procedure room. Don't, I don't care for that. Can it be called like the butterfly room or something? (laughs) The procedure room, I go in, clean it off. And then I have to wait for the doctor again. That's another 15 minutes. By the time we were doing it, I think at 45 minutes, I had been doing this breathing technique and I'm really happy to share because all of us are some dental procedure, yeah. some medical procedure, maybe just something that's making you anxious, like a test or something. That technique, and you don't have to like consciously increase the time. You'll just naturally start breathing deeper. You'll be breathing more deeply. Yeah. And by the time he did it, um, I, I'm not trying to be macho or, or tough. Uh, I say that because you can tell the story in that way. It it was painful. Yeah. And my body was so calm that it was more allowing of a sensation to come in and then to let it go. Mm-hmm. Meaning it didn't come in and then I didn't narrativize it going like, what if it gets worse? It just was what it was. And my body and my heartbeat and everything was was tranquil enough. And also my mind, because of listening to Rupert, 
was easy enough to go like, this is what's happening now. Mm. The the objects of experience, objective experience, meaning in this case pain, in this case hospital, in this case procedure, it's always changing. Mm-hmm. The consistent element, the only consistent element of existence is knowing. Yeah. And right now I'm knowing this. And right now I'm sitting here with you. Mm-hmm. And this is also going away. Mm-hmm. So it, I had that detached philosophy in a beautiful way. And I calmed my body down. I was very happy to tell you that. Yeah. Well, that's the whole good for you. I'm proud of you for having resources and using them. I'm proud to report that even in a situation where you're literally being stuck in a sensitive place with needles, this stuff that we talk about that can kind of sound very, very L.A. Yeah. And very woo and like must be nice. I'm like, fuck that shit. This is a very ordinary thing. Mm-hmm. This wasn't at a premiere party where we all had a breathing circle or something mm-hmm. exclusive or fancy. This was an ordinary hospital i'm gonna stick you with needles yeah for a while yeah. and it's gonna suck and i'm like guys it's it's good news to go like these things help and they're the things that we talk about here even though we call them spiritual things they help in practical things i love what? the example of this wasn't a premiere party where we had a breathing circle well just because i'm saying la yeah, it's not yeah. like i got a book on breathing in a gift basket yeah, at yeah, oprah's yeah. house like yeah. i'm saying we're talking about things that might sound far out to my father or whatever yes but yes, my yes. father would benefit in if he had something coming up from five in five out well i think that that's the appeal of breath work even in the most basic way like that is that it isn't it isn't woo woo so you know our, my mom, our parents can get on board with just f- count your breath. Yeah. And that is full on mindfulness, but it's totally. not any of the words that seem kind of nope. like, oh, this is just LA hippie stuff. Nope. Um, the other thing I was going to say, hmm. Oh, that this, what you were saying about pain, that is kind of the theory behind hypnobirthing which I only got a little bit into, and I still am not sure how... I, I I believe the women's stories that say that they had painless labor and childbirth because of this. I mean, I don't think that they would have any reason to lie, but that seems just really impossible to me from where I'm sitting. But the whole point is that it's not... The whole point behind it is that it's not the pain, it's the fear that the pain invokes and then that's what we understand pain to be so it's like the bracing against life like we talked about last week you feel pain coming on and you brace against it and then it creates more pain totally and i think that that's really true physically and emotionally and like that's just a a truth of life is that the more you're braced against something the more painful it will be which is literally true like in car accidents they say if you know you're going to be in a car accident try to relax yeah because it's tense muscles that get injured not not relax if you're relaxed you'll get less injured yeah and if you're relaxed you'll actually experience less pain Keep going, please. That That's a perfect example, though, because it is, to me, as somebody who went through a 50-hour, I'll say at any chance I get, 58-hour labor. Yeah, don't trim eight hours off your well, labor. Well, the last eight hours I had an epidural, but still, I'll count yeah. them. Um, they gave it to her through a twisty straw, just for fun. <laughs> yeah, in chocolate milk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the the 
example of if you're about, if you're about to get in a car accident, relax feels as possible yep. as if you're in labor, don't brace against the pain. It's like that's I can't. No you, wonder it takes strong, like nine months of strong hypnosis to be able to maybe do it. But yeah, it's interesting. You and I are so uh, because of our church experience. Like I think we're very like we have to be real. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'm not going to pretend mm-hmm. just so I can say that I'm in the group that this isn't painful. And that's kind of well, I, a couple things. One, I thought of you and invoked strength because I was like Val pushed a very large baby out of her (laughs) vajay thank you out of your vulve and that's incredible yeah and you did such a good job and and like a lot of that had to do with your mind state Mm. and when I said that and and this isn't to put myself down I Mm. I, of course I was a little nervous the morning of the procedure Mm. but I was just like I took comfort isn't that Mm. funny you go like as a species we're just like we love symbols. Mm. I'll include, as I always do, like Batman and all these things. They lose their parents and they keep going. Like yeah. we take strength from those symbols, from those people. And, and you were one of those Aww. symbols. And it really calmed me down. Aww. And it made me go like, what? It, yeah. Again, in a good way. Not in a gym coach sort of like, you can't do this. Your wife pushed that. It wasn't like that. Yeah. It was just like, the hell did that? I can, I can do this. This is going to be fine. Yeah. Um, oh, thank you. I forget what the other... It doesn't matter. Like, I wanted to be real about the pain. Like, they gave me they gave me opioids. Yeah. Which we're, we're not taking because I watched Dope Sick and it was fantastic. And I think just deserves a Peabody Award because it's like a public service. Yeah. Because and- if, if nobody said, like careful these are very addictive or anything like that but it says on on there i was really pleased to see that it has a red sticker on the top that says uh opioid and it says these can cause addiction and overdose which is is progress because that's what dope sick is all about was how they they avoided lying that that it was and I, and I, but isn't it crazy? There was a time they would have given me the exact same drug, and it would have said non-addictive. Uh, yeah, and uh, you would have definitely taken it. Yeah, of course. I, I, we were just talking about this before we we sat down to do the podcast. But like, it feels like I know exactly where it is, and it feels like a dark presence in our house a little bit. Yeah, it's like, like we have a gun in the house now. There's yeah. something that could kill us. Yeah. And there's something, but it's worse because like there is an application. The reason I haven't thrown them out, for example, mm-hmm. is after the snap, uh, the snap. The snap. What if it's just 10 out of 10 pain that won't stop? Yeah. That's the only reason I still have them. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But that's why I didn't just decline them. And I can't wait until you're out of the woods and we can flush them down. I'll like I'll flush them down the toilet with pleasure. And yeah. by the way, if you need to take one, it's not like you're going to get addicted if you take one. Well, we don't know that. But hopefully, yeah. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I'm just saying. Like, I don't want to be on the record being like you could probably take one. It seems to me if you can avoid them, you absolutely should. And that's what you well, did. And that's what we're doing. I, yeah. I know. And that's what you said. Yeah. If and I, I was, if I lived alone and was just like a single guy, I might have come home and just been like, a doctor gave these to me and I will take one. Yeah. And it did hurt. Yeah. The, okay, so the funny story, you were going to say something. Well, I was just going to say the way that I communicate, communicated, communicated Explosed. it to you um, was 
you know, you're like, I don't know, it's it's really hurting. And I was like, when I when I pushed a human being out of my body yeah. and my vagina was busted open <laughs> yeah. uh, for weeks. Yeah. I just I remember took... the breeze. <laughs> yeah, it was drafty. It was very drafty that week. We couldn't keep a candle lit because Val was was torn up. Because I would inhale and, and then it would just. just <laughs> oh my god! I hate this, but I love it. And that's where uh, Goop got the idea for the badge candle. <laughs> Gwyneth came over and she was like, "What is that?" And we're like, "Val is windy." <laughs> okay. You know, she just had a baby. <laughs> she got baby wind. Uh, but oh god, um, but yeah, when when that happened, I ju- they offered me. I don't know if it was opioids. That would be insane because I was nursing. But they offered me, they kept checking to see if I needed stronger pain medicine. And, and I was like, I just took a leave and it was totally fine. Leave.com slash weird. Just kidding. <laughs> so you took a leave. But and then in it was that better. moment, you, okay, so they go, there's Tylenol in this opioid. It's mixed with Tylenol. So don't take Tylenol if you're going to take it. And I was the way like, they would make you take it. It, it. It's sort of, I'm not saying that's what's happening, but yeah. I was like, well, I can't take Tylenol because if it's not strong enough, I can't take this because it'll be too much Tylenol? Yeah. Question weird. mark. So I'm like worried about too much Tylenol, but not worried about heroin, basically. Yeah. And then uh, in that moment, my. I'm going to say it was a mild sort of ad- addict sort of like devil whisper mm-hmm. was I was like sort of I probably unconsciously hoping you would be like, you should take one. Yeah. Because there are all these questions that a person like me has. What's it going to feel like? Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Am yeah. I going to sleep incredible? Uh-huh. Am I going to feel like I'm on a clown? Like, what's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And when you were like, take a leave... I was like, that's so boring. Yeah. Like, nobody's like, woo, a leave. <laughs> so I was like, do you remember? Of course you do. It was last night. I go, I was thinking I would take weed mm. um, because I'm one of the few people I know that actually has weed in the house for pain. Yeah. Like, if there's pain happening, mm-hmm. I'll take an edible. Mm-hmm. And you were like, maybe just do both. And that was the little crumb of cheese I gave to my addict being like, Okay. We're not going to do heroin. We're just going to take right. a microdose of marijuana. Yeah, we're going to take... I took five milligrams of weed and we ended up having some really funny laughs. Yeah. And it did help with the pain. One of the things I wrote down was Mission Impossible is coming out with a seventh movie. Mm. Uh, at, at what point are we going to downgrade these missions from Impossible? They've, they've done it seven times. <laughs> How about Mission Improbable? <laughs> it's not likely. But we know you can do it because you've done it seven times. So you still feel good about that one. You <laughs> I'm just kidding. are so beautiful. I thought for sure that was going to be... Oh No, it took my breath away. <laughs> okay. That was so funny. I sang <laughs> Joe Cocker. That's better than... A, like, I was speechless with how funny that was and how Did perfect Joe it was. Did Joe Cocker do the original You Are So Beautiful? I don't know. I think Alfalfa from the 90s Little Rascals did the original. It's a reference I don't get. So we're, yeah, we're both somebody gets to... it. Remember how beautiful Darla was? Sweet listener who understands this reference. Named Anthony. Um, <laughs> uh, well, uh, were you... Yeah, so I was going to say, uh, you also... What was the thing? We were watching Somebody Somewhere, which is a great show. I'm really enjoying it. Bridge Bridget Ev. Everett. Everett. Um, I think I said Bridget Everett. You did. <laughs> Bridget. Bridget Everett. 
I, you find out I've been taking the opioids. Oh, no. Um, JK. JK. I know. I just, I'm going to flush them with joy. By I the way. I don't know if you're supposed to flush them. Well, we have to get rid of them. There's a thing know. at the Rite Aid. To, really? It said self, safely dispose of unwanted medicine. And you oh, can put it cool. in this little drop box. That's a good idea. Um, anyway, I, just to put a cap on that. The fear that I, this is the fear I've always had. Like the drug campaign really worked on me around heroin and meth. Cause I was like, like I have a friend who is a very normal, well-adjusted person who was like, yeah, I tried meth once. And I was like, I would, there was no phase in my life, even at my wildest where you could have gotten me to try heroin or meth. I was so, I'm so sufficiently terrified oh, yeah. of both of those. I'll throw in uh, dip. Yeah. Oh, dip. The dip yeah. campaign the dip of, campaign of all the worked. people whose faces fell off. I mean, cigarettes it didn't work for me always, but it really works for me cigarettes now. Cigarettes too, yeah. Um, but I, just having these opi- opioids in my house, I hate it. And like, I hope that we can instill that fear in our child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I just want her to take it as seriously as as we do, because I, I have we have family friends who like just their kid got they're just such a lovely family. But like one kid got into pills so young and then ha- just has had an opioid addiction their yeah. whole life. So like and a friend of a friend uh, died on fentanyl. Yeah. And not only that. The person who got it for him is in jail. Yeah. And that this is not like a drug dealer person. Mm-hmm. This was like yeah. just sort of brokering a deal for his friend. Yeah. It's serious stuff. It's it's not it's the it's the no fuck around pile. Yeah. But anyway, I was making another point. Oh, somebody somebody somewhere. Um and this was a high thought you had. It was like there's a it's a plot point where Okay, there was a scene where somebody reads somebody's journal. Somebody finds somebody's notebook and reads it, okay? And then the next scene, she says, uh, he gives it back to her, and she says, you didn't read this, did you? And he says, no. And And he says no in a way that you're like, yes. Yeah, you, I'm not. I think that actor is amazing. Oh, great! So it's not badly acted. I'm just saying he acted a no that is a yes, which was true because we and it just, is true. We saw him in the scene prior reading it. And I, if there was a criticism I had for the show, it is it can be very A B C D E F G, mm. and that's actually kind of what's good about the show. Yeah, is that it's like okay, this is the one where they're dealing with this, and this is the one where the Notebook. Is found and she says, "Did you read it?" And he says, "No." What he did, and then and then later it does come up, and yeah. then just like I said, and he's going to be like, "Those songs are good. You should sing them." And then she does sing them, and it's very sweet, right? Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. But in that moment, I remembered something that Judd always used to do for us on Crashing is I would pitch a story that was A B C D E, mm-hmm. and when you got to C, he was like, "You should jump to to J." Yeah. Just go complete. The example I always use is my mom on Crashing comes to see me do stand up. And I'm the only clean one, and she should, and she should be proud of me. Uh-huh. And she should say, "You were my favorite. Everyone else was bad. I don't know what you're doing with these pirates, these these evil people. But at least you were good." Yeah. And Jed was like, "Or oh, she likes it. She likes everybody. She doesn't like Pete. Like that's what he says. Yeah. And that's what we did. Yeah, and it was great. Yeah. And when I was watching this, I was like, he should not have read it." 
And then she, you should say it because I'm saying it too cleanly and it's losing its fun. Yeah, just from my perspective, we see this person read the journal. The next scene, he says, no, he didn't read it. And then Pete pauses and goes, he went, what about, I, I'm going to have a pitch and I bet you'll agree with this. <laughs> he, what if he, it, he she, you said, I don't think it, it's going to go this way. But what if he didn't read the journal? And and she says, well, you know this because you read my journal. Clearly, later. like I wanted her to know when he said no that she, he was lying. Yeah. Because in my mind, I'm like, anyone would know he's lying. These are good friends. And he just went, no. Yeah. And it's like, yes, you did. So, so later then in she... another scene, he goes, I know you read my journal. Yeah. And then he goes, no, I really I didn't. I actually didn't. And then I wanted her to be mad because like you don't think makes, I'm interesting. You don't think I'm interesting enough to read my journal. You had my journal in your car alone. Yeah, like I'm insulted. That's the unexpected A to J that Judd taught me, which is like he really shouldn't read it, mm-hmm. and she should be upset, and that's why she sings him the songs. Yes, I still stand by it. Well, it is a good idea. The whole the reason why it was a stoned idea was first of all, it took you way like it took a nine. Trip. It took seven times. Triple that amount. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was way longer and kind of confused and muddled. And then just at the end of it I went, but he did read the journal. Yeah. We just saw him read the journal. Yeah, I wasn't following I don't know how people eat or smoke weed and follow anything. Because I was just like, You're just enjoying the colors and the faces (laughs) and the music. Like a baby. Like Like a a baby. Little baby. You're just sort of like it's an excuse. It's a place where you can just sort of hang out. <laughs> a show is just a place you can hang out when you're stoned. That is you ex- can't follow it. That is incredibly accurate. Yeah. Back from my, I I don't anymore. But like I used to smoke weed and watch a lot of TV, and that's why I would I watched all of Bob's Burgers like three times mm. through completely stoned because it was just like a place I wanted to go to. Yeah, I I'm the opposite as you know, which is why I kept pausing it. I want to talk and mm. I want to make mistakes like have you say, but we saw him read it mm. and then we laugh for like 15 minutes. I mean, yeah, it's wasted mm. just and this is what David Vanderveen sent to me. The Bob Marley song about lively up yourself is like when you're high, you like get up and kick the soccer ball around like lively up. Oh, like yeah, don't just cool. melt into the couch. And I've always mm. been like, huh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And I, I subscribe to that for sure. God, can you remember what the other thing was that you said that we laughed so hard? Uh, was It wasn't about the show. It could then we been. started watching Kristen Wiig. Liza Minnelli tries to turn off a lamp, which Look is great. Look it up. Turn Watch this off it. right now. Well, <laughs> I don't kidding. know. You can keep us on in the background. We'll, we'll, we we want to see it, too. Yeah. Uh, we, can, we can see you. We can see you. <laughs> All right. We'll start watching now. <laughs> so funny. Okay. okay, Valerie. That was adorable. Okay, two things. One was, this is what I wrote down in my, with my left hand. It's been really interesting not being able to use my hand, my right hand. Um. Because it, it feels like my right... It's not in constant pain, mm-hmm. but it is in pain. And if I do anything with it, it's like it's surrounded by broken glass and someone squeezes it. like, mm. And it shoots up my whole body. It's it's really bad. Yikes. 
Not the worst pain I've ever had. The worst pain I've ever had actually was getting a treatment from a hippie doctor. I think I talked about this, who oh, was trying yeah. to treat my hand naturally and gave me, no joke, a six hour deep, 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 deep oh, fascia yeah. massage. That's your reference point. That's my worst pain. Stuff. Go, like it's even when they do the snap, that's going to be so Nothing. quick. Nothing. And this was six, six hours, hours twice. of like sweating. And the first time I had just done a, a serious psychedelic. So I was so open hearted mm-hmm. and completely detached from story that mm-hmm. I actually didn't experience pain. That that's really, I didn't experience much pain. The first time I sat there and was just like totally fine. Cause okay. I was still in the glow of my five MEO trip. And I was just mm-hmm. like, it was fine. I, I'm, moment by moment yeah and then the second time i was like when she left i had a really hard time saying goodbye like that's how mad i was at her because she had tortured me for six hours and she said that's part of her job by the way she's used to it anywho's a woozle i can't use my hand uh val's been helping me there is a part of having that that you love you're going, mm. I can't, I can't. I can't. Like, yeah. I've been canceling everything. Yeah. I can't. I had a lunch right now. It's noon. I had a lunch. And I couldn't. I can't go to lunch. Yeah. I'm like, I can only drink things. Because, like, eating with two hands. You know what? This is boring. Anyway, when I go to the doctor, before I got the procedure, somebody came in and they had a bandage on their thumb. Which I don't know for why why that's funny, but it is funny. It seems like a like a Farrelly Brothers sort yeah. of cast. It's a it's a cartoon thing too. It's a you cartoon. know, like they were always like accidentally their hammering th- their yes! thumb. Yeah, that's what it looked like. She looked like Tom from Tom and Jerry, <laughs> and she hammered her thumb. She came in and she was really sweet, and they asked her to sign the box. You know, they have that like digital box, and she's like, "I can't, I can't use my hand," and they were like, "It's fine." Uh, Use your non-dominant hand. Just make any mark. It's fine. And then I remember, again, I'm talking about Pete as the thing, as the phenomenon that I observe. Mm -hmm. And I go, Pete, meaning I'm not identified with this thought, sort of was like, come on, you can sign. Mm -hmm. Like, I just sort of was thinking, you're making a meal of it. Like, you're enjoying that you have this this Tom and Jerry's cast. And you enjoy... Just as I do, sometimes secretly, the attention that you get from having an injury. Yeah. I've had to, several times today, not say, I have a ha- I'm have recovering from a painful hand. Thing. Like, you want to. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, by yeah. the way. If you want to milk it, milk it. It's fine. I'm just trying to deny that because I'm like, take it easy. Mm. That's what I thought this woman was doing. I was like, you can sign. Mm-hmm. She doesn't sign. She sits down. I get the procedure. Uh, we've already covered that. I go to Rite Aid to pick up what I didn't know. I just knew it was a painkiller to get the opioids. Mm-hmm. And they want me to sign for it. And I use my bandaged hand. And when I did it, I'm just using my finger. Yeah. When I did it, pain worse than the entire procedure shot through my hand and up my body. And I was like, Alanis Morissette's ironic comes through. It's like... The thing signing for the painkiller causes the most pain is yeah. just is just a joke in yeah. itself. But the isn't it ironic? But the beautiful humbling that I judged one of my brothers and sisters on Earth yeah. being like, "Get over yourself!" And yeah. now if someone asked me to sign something, I would say, "I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't sign that." Yeah. And I was like, "Huh? Yeah." I, I loud and clear, loud like and clear Ray universe. Ray. The other thing I wrote down was ding dong, because apparently you can get dupatrins on your ding. Yeah, for to treat a curve. 
Well, Dupuytren's. I, I I don't know if it's called Dupuytren's, but oh, Dupuytren's. I don't is mean the thing. xylophex yeah, is the I treatment. I thought you were saying xylophex. So when I looked up the side effects for xylophex, or not not the, the side, side effects, effects but for xylophex. <laughs> looking up the side effects for xylophex. <laughs> like, it's like the, weird, the weirdest rap. <laughs> a rap about Dupuytren's contraction. Wow. And then it samples. I feel it in my fingers. Uh, I feel it in my toes. I feel it in my. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you are. I'm gonna make you a trophy out of milk chocolate Ooh. but i'm gonna wrap it in like gold foil it's gonna look great and i slowly unwrap it. <laughs> oh my gosh why so sexual i don't know i want chocolate well um okay so the the tech one of the technicians is putting this gauze this white fish net on my arm and we start talking about du- dupatrins and he's like you can get it in your feet because i said i don't know anyone else that has it what i said was do you do this a lot mm. and he says yeah every day like almost every day we're doing this I go, really? And I'm like, because I've never met another person that has it, which mm-hmm. is true. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, yeah, you can get it in your feet. You can get it in your hand. And then I go, can't you get it? And this is a quote. I go, in a hospital. I go, can't you get it in your ding dong? <laughs> and this, I knew this guy was down to clown. He, he was like my age. He didn't even bat an eye. He was like, that's what I was about to tell you is there's, there's like a penile application. Oh, wow. Which, by the way, if anybody has this, I am not teasing you. I'm just saying me and this technician were like, if I had a curve in my ding dong, uh, the pain of this injection yeah. was so great. Imagining that in my ding is a little out of my league. And I was like, I'd rather just find true love. <laughs> I'd rather yeah. just find someone that's like, I Doesn't love matter. your crooked ding. So, okay, because you told me this yesterday and I didn't know. I thought it was just like people who have a genetic curve will get this injection just because for like the aesthetics of it, I didn't know they had dupatrins in their ding dong. Well, I don't know if it's called dupatrins, dongatrins, maybe, but it's like <laughs> they they have some people have very extreme curvature in their in their ding. But it is is what. But I think it's caused by it, whether or not it's dupatrins. It's caused like apparently your body will occasionally and not, I guess genetically, but we could also say randomly, another word for genetically, <laughs> like misfires and decides to harden or like pull something in. And this is why you oh. sometimes see dicks that take like a left turn uh-huh. and to quote big Jay Okerson, it's like, it's like it has a knee and it like goes like, like there's a joint in it. Yeah. Sometimes you see them in adult, in adult pictures and you're just like, wow, this guy clearly also produced this movie. <laughs> he went ahead and Ooh. cast himself. Yeah. Um, I do. Love again, the no punch, tease, no tease. The punchline of, I would rather wait for true love. Well, he said, I think I'd just live with it. And I was like, I would find true love. <laughs> like, yeah. Just find someone that's like, you're my person. Yeah. You can have a twisty straw ding dong and we're, we're sticking together. I really cannot see a world where I would care about that. I, I, I'm not like saying like. I love this. What a surprise. I, I don't, th- I just don't think I, I like genitals all look strange anyway. That's a great way to put it. If all ding-dongs took a goofy left. Yeah. And then you were like, I have a straight ding-dong. Mm-hmm. This is like the Twilight Zone. People would be going in and getting injections to make their dick go left. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Except maybe it's uncomfortable. Like sex could Well, be that's the only thing I could think of. But also... You're going in like a Tetris piece. Maybe... maybe Again, no tease, no tease. <laughs> maybe it also feels better. Especially if it's curved a little up, then it might be a well, great you know, G-spot. I know. I was going to say that, but I didn't know if you no, wanted my, me to say that. Well, this is a this is how fucked up my family is. I mean, we all know this. 
about my family. Mm. Oh, I'm going to share that tip you gave me. I am so excited to share this tip. Huh. The, the the Anyway, don't let me forget tip okay. as I tell the story about my tip. <laughs> this is a story in my family. My ding curves to the left. And, a little and, bit. A little bit. But it curves up. Up. Yeah. Up yes. and to the left, like yeah. JFK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay. Is what does that mean? It's from JFK the movie. It's actually back and to the left. It's when About they're showing the, sh- the footage of him getting shot. It Oh wow. It, oh yeah. It doesn't uh-huh. feel as intensive because it became a Oliver Science. Stone like joke and, and an SNL sketch. And yeah. anyway, because they do say back and to the left. Anyway, I'm so sensitive today. Anyway, so my ding dong does that. I never I don't consider myself to have a strange what is this is weird. My mom <laughs> said it's because I'm I'm circumcised. And that the doctor that did it said that that happened. And my mom tells this story. uh, To anyone. To anyone. (laughs) To anyone. I've heard her tell it like in the church lobby and be like, and the doctor says, get this. Don't worry. Girls will like it. Really? And that's like a story that that she shines and tells. Yes. I I think yours was the first one uh, that. I had ever been with that did anything like that? Well, it's because when they stitched it, there's tension. Mm. So I have like a tension in my... Oh. It sounds unpleasant, but it, it's not unpleasant. Yeah, and, and this is not like a dramatic curve. It's just more of like a nice, easy slope. Look, if you were skiing off of it, you're going to go far. You're not going to do a flip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to help your distance. Um, but, I mean, this is as personal as it gets, I feel like. But the I was very... I remember reporting after the first time we had sex. There's like a... We've had sex? A, <laughs> um, a beneficial curve, I think is what oh. I call it. Like it feel it like felt better because it is a little juicy. Well, could you write that down and that'll On be the first book? <laughs> that'll be the first book. There's I've... enough room. Oh my god. There's enough room for a haiku. What's <laughs> more like a haiku? I miss old show business like Hollywood Squares. Oh, uh, everybody misses Hollywood Some Squares. Some sassy man can just be like, mm, more like a haiku, and the audience goes nuts. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was a nice little tangent about the ding dong. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I was humbled and I loved that I said ding dong to that doctor and I love that he sure. went with it. I, I really love when I'm like, pers- when I can work up the courage to be kind of silly or personal with the doctor and they'll like, they receive it and aren't being so stiff about it. Stiff? <laughs> right. Um, the other... Oh, thing... they can just be a person. That's exactly yeah, my point. You want... And that's what I'm doing the whole time. She took pictures of my hand. One of the... I guess she was a nurse. She took pictures... And I go, will you tag me on those? I just <laughs> need some really laughs. great. Also, I need some laughs going into a, a hand poke. It makes me think of your old bit, which is... I don't fuck with cheese? Yeah. Which is a true bit. Yeah. I don't fuck with cheese. I really feel like something I became I told my doctor. an adult once... Or one of the markers of feeling like I was an adult was that I got way more comfortable talking to doctors and just talked to them like I would talk to anybody. Yes. And I I started being honest about about like my alcohol and oh, yeah. drug consumption. And uh, so Why are you lying? Yeah, and I remember it was like around 28 so I was still smoking weed and I would say they would say, do you drink? And I'd say, not really. And they'd say, do you smoke cigarettes? And I would say, no, but I smoke weed every day. <laughs> yeah. I used to lie about my alcohol to the doctor because mm. it was more important short term for him to think I wasn't a monster than long term get the help I needed. 
yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about this. It was your birthday. It's your 33rd yes. birthday. Thanks for all the B-Day wishes. Yeah, thanks, everybody. I got some sweet messages. And it's we're very, I'm saying um, this as a couple, it is your Christ year, 33. Yeah, and also um, Ashling B is a Pisces, and she told me that this is the best, well, she said this is the the best year, this is our best year in 12 years. And I don't know if she meant this is the best year we have had in 12 years. So the last 12 years haven't been as good as this year's going to be. Or I hope it's not this one. This is the best year we're going to have in 12 years. <laughs> like the 12 years after this are going to be shittier. I think she just year. means in 12 years, you'll have an even better year. Oh, maybe. But anyway, anyway all of 33 that is, is say, hot. 33 is hot. I, think I know a lot a good... of people that 33 was a hot, hot, hot for me. Yeah. It was a big year for me. It was you when got I got talk my show. talk show. It's, it's when, when we met. Mm-hmm. It's when we met. Uh, and I just really kind of feel that in the air. Like I feel like this is going to be a good year. Um, and, and yeah, it was one of those birthdays where, and I haven't always felt this way. And I certainly know and have so much compassion for people who don't feel this way on their birthday. But I was like, I feel good. I feel like I'm about, le- if, if your age is a level, I feel like I'm level 33, <laughs> you know, like I'm growing, I'm still learning. I still have tons of work to do, mm. but like. I am making progress and and I don't mean like the dumb Western shit that we put on of like, where are you in your career and your family and all of that? I mean, like, how do you feel in your life and in your body and in your person? Like, are you connected to yourself? Are you connected to life? Like, to me, that's the stuff that matters. And I do feel very, mm. um, very connected and and we had a perfect day. It was so fun. We went to the beach. We went to the beach. We went to breakfast. Went to the beach. Jumped in the water. Uh, we then, made a video of you jumping in the water, and you sort of belly flop. Oh my gosh! You're like, yes. this is it. This is 33. I'm did, doing it. And I then did. you belly flop into a wave, which was great. <laughs> really perfect. I was like, this is for this is um, to remind myself that I can do hard things, and this is for vitality and. And femininity, and then I belly flop yeah. into the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to post that because it is so funny. It was great. But I mean, that's we're going to face adversity and we'll be okay. This is a message for everybody. Yeah. You won't necessarily look great doing it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It might be a little clumsy, but we're going to pop back out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. And I really, that is the sort of the message for me is like, resilience i've built up some resilience and that's really what you want um and you know the answer like i was talking to somebody and i i I really feel like we all should know this is very tony robbins by the way it's like what are you doing and why are you doing it Mm. and it's it's way more revolutionary than it seems but it's like you're doing this so you can do this and then it's like but then what do you do like it's it's sort of like the high school guidance counselor what would you do if you could do anything? I was talking to somebody and it was a fine answer, but they were, they were, I was like, if you could do, let's say you had everything, what would you do? And it was just, one of the answers was I'd watch a lot of TV mm. and that's fine. Mm. I, this isn't about putting them down. I love that as a nine in Enneagram nine, mm-hmm. I should say, especially as a nine, which is yeah. sort of the 
comfort the TV one. <laughs> it's the comfort seeking yeah. personality type. Yeah, we can get stuck and immobile. Which is weed every day. Yep. And all that sort of stuff. You want blankets and pillows and movies mm-hmm. and weed. Mm-hmm. And to mirror people so they like you, mm-hmm. so there's no trouble. Yep. It's one of the things, I mean, there's a lot of your nineness that I really love. Mm-hmm. But it can sort of put you into a. Into a, a sleepwalk. A sleepwalk. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. And watching you these past years, seeing that you f- figuring out like what do I love? Mm. I love dancing. Mm-hmm. You teach dance at Heartbeat House. Mm-hmm. Incredible, mm-hmm. incredible. You sub for Melissa. You found different ways to sing. Like we went mm-hmm. and sang karaoke. Mm-hmm. You're like I love singing. I'm in a choir. You're in a choir. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've just been watching you in a very inspiring way figure out your answers mm-hmm. and and it's not about impressing people with your answers mm-hmm. like i have a file in my phone called what is pete actually like yeah and i write down like when i experience something and i experience a peak state meaning like absolute fulfillment i have to write it down in the mm-hmm. same way that i have a list in my phone uh these are your friends mm-hmm. it's almost like i'm the guy from memento mm-hmm. and i go oh these are my friends and this is what i like but having those mission statements, I've just watched you do it. Aww. Mindfulness, getting your training with Jack and Tara, mm. dance, singing, teaching, writing. friends, mm-hmm. then figuring out writing, mm-hmm. now making writing your first movie, which is so exciting. Thank you. It's just really, again, like I think I grew up with parents that were like, the reason you do those things is almost number one so you can tell people. Mm. that you're doing things like that you'll appear as a busy and about town person that's like Uh the number one reason that is not what i'm saying even though i'm I'm praising you publicly right now Mm. it's because i like you're like an apple watch you know how you close the rings Mm, on your on your mobile i don't have an apple watch but i've seen close the rings Mm -hmm. like your rings are closed Mm. when i met you your rings looked like jacks the (laughs) the puffed cheese snack they were barely they weren't even identifiable circles and now you have them all big circle circle jacks my favorite punk band the circle jacks (laughs) and it's just it gives a good feeling to close my circles and know what I'm after. So anyway, thank you. To give you that That's compliment so nice. and to encourage everybody, it doesn't matter what your thing is. Maybe it is office space and you're Peter from office space and you just want to do nothing. Yeah. But to figure out in a perfect situation where do you come alive? Yeah. And where do you feel connected? Mm-hmm. Where do you remember your inner connection with other people? Yep. And get this is the Tony Robbins of it is like get as honest as you can. Like I'm not embarrassed even though I'm aware that there's like a deeper or whatever you want to say, spiritual, uh, spiritually evolved place that I can have like a causeless joy, meaning a joy for no reason. That's beautiful. That is my passion is uncovering that causeless joy and living in that, um, irregardless, irrespective of circumstance, peace. Mm. That is my thing. That's my whole thing. Irregardless. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm aware that when Pete feels special or when Pete wins people over or if Pete nails an audition or if Pete kills at a stand-up show, that that really makes him feel alive. Yeah. Put it on the list. Meaning it doesn't have to be like uh, only feeding the needy. It can also be like Pete likes to shine. That's part of Pete. And I also think this is really important that um, 
you know, obviously I'm in a privileged position where I can take the things that I love and, you know, make, (laughs) it's okay that I make very little money doing it. Um, But I understand that not everybody is in that position and a lot of your time goes to just doing whatever you have to do to make money. I think it can be really simple and singing is a good example. So I did like maybe two years ago, I walked into my therapist's office and I was like, Valerie likes five things, teaching, writing, singing, dancing, meditating. Mm. And, um, and you know, some of those I've made into things that I make money for, but singing, I was like, well, I'm not going to become a professional singer. And that's not self-deprecating. It just, it takes so, it, it that would have to be the sole focus of my life. Mm. And even then it might be a struggle. And I just, there are other things that I like to do. So, so that one's a hobby. How can I just get more singing in my life? Karaoke with my friends and a once a week choir. Yeah. So for people who are like, you know, wanting to incorporate things that make when you feel did it more all fulfilled. become about making a li- Yeah, it yeah. doesn't have to be your career. In fact, Elizabeth Gilbert makes a really great argument that a lot of times when we make the things that we love, our create our creative projects that we love, when we try to make them careers, we like lose the magic. You ruin them. Mm-hmm. You totally In fact, in the scope of doing stand up for 20 years like you have your first love of it, mm-hmm. and then you realize you, you just had that first time that you have to do it and you don't feel like it. Yeah. It's not novel anymore. Mm-hmm. I had a show like this this month where I was just doing too much performing, mm-hmm. extending myself too much, and then I had to do a show and I lost the specialness. It was still yeah. a fine show, but like you start going like, this is now something I do in the way that you mow the lawn or whatever. Right. That is a risk. So I, I just love that we're taking a moment to be like, you don't get paid for your choir. You don't get paid for karaoke or whatever. And yeah. it gives you a lot of joy. So this is not your run-of-the-mill YouTube montage <laughs> with swelling music being like, go go for it. Yeah. The the cemetery's filled with lots of people that never took it. You know what? Cemetery's filled with a lot of people also that quietly and gently mm. found ways to fulfill themselves yeah. that has nothing to do with inventing the Ford Motor Company. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Because, like, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's a lot of work <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to find the joy again. That's why I said 20 years. Like, you sort of lose it, and then you can find it again. Yeah. But it's it's a little bit like a, a marriage in that way, not our marriage of. <laughs> First fight. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you do have to, like, Gross. try and get in touch with the kid in you that's, like, you're dressed up like Batman and you're on a roof and you're pretending right now. Yeah. Like sometimes it takes effort. Do you know something Leela's been doing that's so cute and then I'm so sorry and we will end here. Um, she, but I think there's, it's, it actually does apply. Every single day she wants to be something different for Halloween. Yeah. So like today we were talking about how we went to the La Brea Tar Pit, Tar Pits, Pritz. And I was like, remember the woolly mammoths? And she said, Remember the tiger, the saber-toothed tiger? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I want to be a tiger for Halloween. But like yesterday, she wanted to be but for Spider-Man for Halloween. It just means for dress up. And what that's what she means. What she really means is I want to be that. I yeah. love that so much. I would like to be that. Yeah. And I feel like that there's just that kind of energy. That is what 
we're talking about when when we're saying feeling connected to everything, feeling fulfilled, or at least that's how it manifests in me too. Like my birthday is a perfect example. We went to the ocean, my favorite thing. We had a dinner with friends under twinkle lights, my other favorite thing. Then we did karaoke with my friends. And the and what Leela's really saying is, I love that so much I want to merge with that. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt. Even just watching all of my friends talk and be together and then watching them sing, I was like, I want to merge with you. Know, you. I want to take this into me. Yes, I yeah. want to be you for Halloween. That's what Rupert Spira <laughs> tells. He's a potter as well. And he tells the story of his teacher that he apprenticed under saying, he looked at his pot and he goes, Rupert, you haven't begun to take this shape into yourself. Wow. And he was and he was like, that's exactly what a potter is trying to do, is to take mm. a shape so far into themselves that it comes out naturally. Wow. It's in you. Wow. And that's what she's saying. I want to be a cheat. Like, so, yeah. I want it so close. I want it on my body yeah. and in my heart, basically. Yes. It's really cool. That's really beautiful. I love that. All well, right, let's fucking get out of here, dudes. Right. Thank you for listening. Um, I, I can just write... Oh. oh God! Oh God! Oh, one-handed McGee. <laughs> I know. Even flipping these pages is. No. Oh, here's this is about a bull. Ooh. This is so. It's a, about a bull. This <laughs> is Rupert to, about a boy. This is a meditation on I am. It's a, a long poem that Rupert wrote, and I'm just going to read two little pages here. I can't do the music because of my hand. That's all right. Dun, dun. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> when David O'Doherty did my podcast, he was going to play a song, and, and I started drumming, mm. and he, he told me to stop. He was so tired. He went, stop. It's it's going to turn into a to a jam band. <laughs> and it really hurt my feelings. Oh. I was, meaning I was just embarrassed. I was yeah. embarrassed. So yeah. I did not mean that. Please do sing. Mm. I offer and contain in one gesture. I offer and contain in one gesture. We're talking about consciousness right now. Mm. Talking about the field of knowing. Like an open bowl. Wow. I give myself unconditionally to all things. I embrace all others, but know no otherness. I receive all things without choice. Wow. Can I just, I have to, I know we usually end with the poem, but when I think about your knowing, meaning... Right now, you're knowing my voice. Everything you're seeing is being known. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's being received. The image comes into you and is known. Mm -hmm. All of seeing is knowing. Mm -hmm. And all of touching is perceiving and all perceiving is knowing. Mm -hmm. Everything is knowing. Yeah. You think you have a body, you touch it. Really, if you close your eyes and, and detach from the idea of body, you see that body is just sensation showing up in the field of knowing. But the beautiful thing about it and I do really think this is what we mean when we talk about God's infinite love and God's infinite openness mm-hmm. and mercy and all of that stuff. There's there's an expression of that in how knowing is like a mirror. Mm. It completely thoughtlessly in perfect real time says yes to all things, mm-hmm. even the things that you don't like or want. Mm-hmm. Knowing itself receives everything. That's what I think he's talking about here, like an open bowl. Yeah. And it's all, I really just think if you think about your own awareness like a mirror and how a mirror never pauses before it 
sends back the image that it's seeing. Mm. You are that. Mm-hmm. You are the activity of a thing that is saying yes to all things. That's why it feels so nice when our brain, when the body mind, mm-hmm. can say yes and join in the ongoing yes that is, in religious language, the, the spirit of God or in less religious language, knowing or being itself. Yeah. Well, it goes back to the not bracing against. That's right. But just opening and allowing. When you allow, you are doing what God does. Mm. Or what or what well, this does. Or and I don't mean God somewhere else watching. I mean your you're, knowing knows all things in the same way this, the screen of a movie plays any movie and is not affected by it, but is intimately involved in every frame of the movie, giving it its essence, but it's also not affected. He says it's never stained by the scenes in a movie. Yeah. Like you can play any movie on it, beautiful, horrible. The screen is always the open, mirror-like, accepting presence of it. Yes. I used to have a poem like this, but I, I don't know if I'll be able to find it. But it is it is a point that I've thought of before, which is, you know, we look at the ocean and it's vast and we find that beautiful because we are our truest self, our knowing you is recognize vast. It. Yeah. And then we love stillness or silence because our truest self is still and silent. So it just is about when we are just allowing everything or opening or saying yes to life, we're just aligned with the not only our true nature, but the nature of everything. I love it. And that's why it feels good. He also says when we recognize beauty or love in another person or in art, it's that's a clue that we're, we're longing for our true nature, which mm. is love, which is beauty and which is happiness. Mm. Yeah. Cool. And actually, Mirabai would say that longing is is like holy, I think. Yeah. She, the longing for, she would say the beloved, but you could say knowing or whatever. It's just that that um, life force. Well, he just says the longing for happiness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so maybe it's something different, but, she, but I think it's the same thing. She would just channel it into... Um, the longing to be connected to the beloved and that that is love. Like there's no, like that is the thing. There's, it's not the means to the end. It's Mm. like the longing is the dance. It's like a good part of it. It's not something to try to like uh, an itch to try to scratch. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Isn't that nice? I hope I did her justice. I think Mirabai Star, by the way. When you say Mirabai, there's a couple of Mirabais. Oh yeah, Mirabai Star. Sorry. It's all good. Um, all right, babies. Just go ahead and keep it crispy while you're at it. <laughs> I loved it. You. S- I don't want to get the last word. Um. <laughs> I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice game make you want to.